0: Welcome back to the Global Digital Banker. My name is Adele Grisav and this week's episode focuses on bank and fintech partnerships. Alan Shields, Chief Product Officer at RFI Group, caught up with Luke Campbell, Acting General Manager for Unsecured Lending at the National Australia Bank, along with David Washbook, co-founder at Look Who's Charging, to share the fintech perspective. The discussion addresses consumer, merchant and bank pain points around confusing transaction descriptions for payments, and the time and cost implications to those involved. Luke and David both share the challenges and opportunities from the partnership that they've launched, how they measure success, and their predictions for opportunities in the Australian market from the potential rollout of an open banking framework.
1: Gents, thanks very much for joining me today. Thanks Alan, good to be here. Can you just start, David, it would be great to hear a little bit about Look Who's Charging, the products and service that you've launched and the need that it's meeting within the market.
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Alan. Yeah, Look Who's Charging is all about improving the customer experience through enriching transactions. So confusing transaction descriptions are a problem that I think all consumers can relate to. You look at your bank statement and half the time it may as well be written in a language that you don't recognise. So for example you might see CNA Walker limited on the bank statement so what you do Google's often your first port of call so you'll turn to Google type in CNA Walker PTY limited that will tell you that it's a chartered accountancy business so what will you do next you might phone the bank you know you're on hold for 15 minutes another five or six minutes to verify yourself you get bounced between two or three different departments and at the end of it they can't do anything more than, than really Google the transaction themselves and you know, in fact two of the big four banks in Australia the contact centers don't even have access to Google. So it's a very frustrating experience for the consumer. Um, you know, they're quite anxious and they can be genuinely worried that they're subject to a, a fraud. It really lowers the advocacy as well between the, the consumer and the bank. So C N A Walker, for example, that's a Domino's pizza restaurant. So this is a very common problem for franchise businesses, where the, the PTY limited company will, will often be listed as opposed to the trading name. It's not just restricted to, to franchise businesses as well. We also see it every day with big chains. So, for example, the new um, Woolworths supermarket store in Wollongong uh, was listed on bank statements as Wollongong, Wollongong, New South Wales. So, you know, very confusing for customers. So it's not just uh, a poor consumer experience it's also a very expensive problem for banks. It's one of the top reasons for calls to a bank's contact center, around 10 to 12% of all the calls. And then formal chargebacks, where a customer wants to dispute a transaction, it accounts for about 60% of those, and it's still a very manual process to resolve those chargebacks. Costs the bank around 80 to 90 dollars, but very time consuming, not just for the consumer, but also the merchant as well that has to deal with these chargebacks. So, what has Who's charging done to, to solve this problem? We really replace that meaningless data that consumers currently see with data that actually makes sense, such as a company's logo, trading name, accurate spend classification, as well as information on how the customer can t- contact that merchant, so phone number, website, etc. And we do all of this within a bank's existing digital applications or API-driven. Uh, so our solution is relatively simple to implement from a tech perspective. Um, we're not going anywhere near core banking systems. We can, we can integrate at the, the digital banking at the app layer. Um, so yeah, NAB was the first customer to go live with us. I'm sure Luke will talk about that a bit more, but I think it's been a, you know, very, very successful year from our point of view. All the feedback we're getting from customers has been very, very positive And, you know, I think we've started to, to see a significant impact as well through core reductions and chargeback reductions at the bank too.
1: Thanks, David. And Luke, your experience has been in, in line with that?
3: Yeah, it's really great to hear that. Summary again from David about what Lukus judging is all about because it just reminds me about how aligned we are on trying to solve that customer pain point and that problem. So we, we you know, kicked off the work uh, a few years ago now where we really started to talk to our customers a lot more and, and understand what they really wanted from a mobile banking application. We were considering investments in a range of different things, whether it's the uh, new ways to pay through mobile payments or other more innovative features, but our customers really took us back to the core and said, actually, you know what? The transaction data that you're showing me, either on a bank statement or in the digital channels is, is not up to it. it it's confusing and it takes me time to reconcile and I'm on the phone and so really we, we prioritize that for the reasons David mentioned where it's expensive for us to handle those calls and it takes time for customers to work through it um, so we, we identified that as a key problem that we wanted to solve and solve quickly and that's really what led us to down the path with look who's charging who had the solution um, to the problem
1: and, and David how does this differ from other comparable services out there in the marketplace at the moment
2: yeah thanks yeah, it's a good question. I guess I'll first touch on perhaps a bit about how we've solved the problem just to under, under you know, highlight the complexities around it. So there's three core components to our solution. The first is the, the merchant database that we've built up containing, you know, information on the 1.3 million card-accepting merchants in Australia. Where we're unique is our database has not just the legal entity information, but also the trading information. So from what we can tell, no one has really ever done that before. You look at Dun & Bradstreet or Equifax, they'll know the the legal entity information on a a company. Google might know the trading information, but no one's really pulled all of that together, which is what you need to do to solve this problem. We also benefit from customer feedback, so now customers can get feedback on the app and um, but importantly as well the merchant feedback so we've been looking at the stats lately and we're actually driving more traffic to a lot of these merchants websites than Google is via the banking app so there's a, a very strong incentive for the merchants themselves to keep their records up to date with us and then the second component is the search engine that we've built the proprietary search engine that matches the the descriptions back to this merchant database uh, and that's a very complex problem in itself there's fourteen and a half million descriptions linking back to 1.3 million merchants on any given day you know a merchant can appear 14 different ways on a bank statement and then the final component is the architecture that we've built to, to push this data into one of the most important consumer touch points being the, the transaction feed. So if you look at other offerings on the market, they're, they're really only about categorizing transactions So no one's going, you know, we push back 180 different fields on a merchant, not just a category. But what that enables us to do then is to get give a very deep, meaningful and accurate spend categorization. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people experience the issue of looking at their spend tracker or PFM and a large chunk of transactions being in other or uncategorized. Um, so kind of a byproduct of what we do is be able to do that to a very, very high standard as well. So not just the in-depth data on a merchant, but also accurate, deep, meaningful and accurate spend categorization. So we've had a trip recently to the US and the UK, expected to go there and find you know, a number of companies doing what we're doing. But from what we found, um, no one's really focusing um, on the
3: problem quite like we are.
1: Excellent. And and tell me, gents, how did the partnership between Look Who's Charging and NAB develop?
3: It's a really great question. When we really identified the problem that we wanted to solve, our focus in terms of when we explored the market for solutions was was really narrowed in. Um, And we've got a a long-term strategic partnership with Visa. And Visa were really key to introducing us to Look Who's Charging. So um, we'd been speaking for a while to our friends there at Visa around what the problem was and how best to go about solving it. And they were thinking about it themselves as well. Uh, And through a Visa Everywhere initiative that they held a couple of years ago, we ended up meeting Stu and Dave through that in Sydney and really took off from there.
1: From the perspective of the bank, you know, what were some of the challenges to be overcome? You know, there aren't that many partnerships like this out there, you know, what are some of the challenges?
3: Yeah, Um, so there there were obviously a range of challenges and it, it wasn't the first time that we'd You know, identified a problem that we wanted to solve and identified a business that we wanted to work with to help solve that. So, you know, at the point, lookers charging were relatively early stage, which inherently brings a few risks for the bank to consider. Um, The business case that we really put up um, was not one around generating revenues day one. It was about potential cost saves, but um, would require some investment to get it over the line. So that created some challenges in terms of our finance team but really those challenges as well as the technical challenge of getting things out but you know the nab was really well placed to move because of that ability to communicate the problem that we were trying to solve so what we did in in the early stages to to identify and prove out the concept was we built a a little beta version of our app where we were calling out to look who's charging via their API to then return the details and um, I remember running into the Chief Operating Officer NAB at the time and he happened to ask me what I was working on so I was able to bring out the banking app and show him this service. Uh, He saw it and loved it and told me to get it done. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, that definitely helped but that ability to... The, the chance meeting. <laughs> <laughs> the chance, well, yeah, you could say it was a chance meeting, but you're always going to be keeping your eye out for an opportunity. But, you know, the ability to be able to articulate that, to demonstrate it, and really at NAB, we've got a, a massive focus on on our customers and understanding what they need and, and listening to them and acting on that. When it came time to to make the decision on whether or not uh, wanted to invest and make this happen, being able to show our friends in finance or in technology, those types of areas, that this was real and this can be done and this is a pain point and, and it drives costs and we can drive cost out um, potentially, but ultimately just improve that customer experience beyond what any of our competitors were doing at the time uh, made it very easy to work through um, some of those traditional challenges. Great. And and
1: what are the how do you measure success with something like look, who's charging?
3: Yeah, for us, we've got a number of measures. When we really to put the customer first, we're we're looking at it and saying, you know, with this service and the way that we've integrated it and the way that we're using it today, we can solve customer queries in seconds. Um, whereas, you know, traditionally, or before that, or if they go to a competitor. As Dave outlined earlier, it it can take 15, 20, 30 minutes. I remember spending time in our call centre at the early stages of this when we are really understanding what the problem is. And and I sat and listened to a call for 45 minutes where a customer was just going through line by line, essentially asking the call centre operator what each transaction was. I probably didn't need to listen to the whole call. I got the message pretty clear. But in that 45 minutes, I was starting to think about how we were going to approach this and, and why we wanted to solve it it <laughs> Yeah, and it's really, I think, the metrics we're seeing as well, the
2: search volumes that are coming through from NAB. We're seeing, like, every single week, you know, we're monitoring the stats and reporting back to NAB, and from day one there's been almost double-digit growth every single week over a 12-month period. So what we're seeing is that when, once consumers are aware of the functionality in that the app, they're not using it once and they're not using it again. They're using it and they're staying and they're sticking around. We think around 10 to 15% of all transactions, once a consumer finds this functionality, they're searching. So we've seen, um, you know, very, very strong growth come through the numbers our side as well through the time we've been live with NAB. As a NAB customer I use it a lot. You know,
1: at least once a week there's a transaction that comes up when we click on it and through the look of who's charging that gets some better clarity on where I've been spending my money. Just kind of extension of this I suppose, I mean this is this is great use of, of APIs. We're talking about an open banking framework in this country. July one next year is a date, you know, as on a, the the roadmap towards an open data framework for the, the you know the whole country I suppose across multiple industries but bankings first what do you see the pair of you as the opportunities either for yourselves or for others in, in, and the challenges in, in that kind of framework
2: yeah so I think broadly the opportunities you know have been very well publicized I guess one that Perhaps not talked about so much for, for me is the combination of the real time payments network and open banking. So, I was over in the UK recently and seen how powerful Starling Bank was uh, over there. So, you know, I still bank with HSBC or Lloyd's, but I want to use Starling day to day. So, I go out to pay for my lunch. Not enough money in my account, you know, two clicks, the money's there. I can use Starling. And then at the same time, the open banking benefits for um, Tail Loyalty, I think, and Flux Loyalty coming through, reading that data to give me my loyalty points. Very, very powerful powerful. So, Australia's obviously got the, the new payments platform um, live already, and um, you know, something NAB I think has, has taken to market as well. Um, yeah, so when open banking kicks in, I think the combination of those two will be very, very powerful. Uh, the key challenge, I think, for me is really around um, behavioural change. Like all these things, it's consumers actually being aware of open banking. Like we're we're obviously across this, and probably most of the listeners to the podcast. But a recent survey I read by Accenture out of the UK that 92% of the UK population still haven't heard of open banking or don't know what it's about. So it's really that um, that education and then the trust of people to actually share their data. Um, I think yeah, the final point then for us as a business, I think it's it's a huge opportunity. So open banking is all about accessing the data and then you know, companies using that data in order to provide a, a better service to consumers. So there's a heap of companies out there doing some really innovative stuff in this space. And there's a heap of companies that are doing the aggregating to provide that data. But like we spoke about earlier, the aggregation piece is relatively technically not that hard and, and, and probably pretty commoditized now. From what we can tell, there's no one really doing that enrichment piece in the middle, which is where we play. So we really enrich that data so all these innovative companies then can ultimately use that data and provide a better service to their end user.
3: Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question, as Dave um, pointed out, a lot of discussion around the topic. My views are, you know, I, I kind of want to open banking now, there's a, a lot of opportunities for us Across cards, um, whether it's on on the payment side enriching payments data like uh, we've described here, or in how we meet our responsible lending obligations, with within our open banking, something like um, income and expense verification can become a lot easier. And you know, imagining in a world where we could enhance and enrich that data through the services like Look who's charging to better categorise expenses and give customers a better understanding of their financial position and whether the product is suitable for them and and, and making a joint decision around that. Um, I can see the need for that right now and our customers are telling us that's what we want and we want that as a credit provider as well so you know, for me it's about how do we help to move this thing faster and and make sure it lands really well and um, that we can deliver those customer benefits that everybody can foresee.
1: Great. Well, thank you both for
2: your time today. Thanks, Alan.
3: Thank you.
0: We hope you enjoy the episode this week. For more content on the podcast, head to globaldigitalbanker.com. For updates on upcoming episodes, check us out on Twitter at GDB Podcast or on LinkedIn under RFI Group. If you're interested in being a part of the show or would like to let us know what you think of this episode, email us at gdbpodcast at rfigroup.com.